This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. There's not whether Calgary could host the Olympics. I think everyone can agree that Calgary could do that. The question is whether Calgary should do that and whether Calgary taxpayers and Albertan taxpayers should provide a financial guarantee that guarantees that they will cover cost overruns rather than having the IOC or other parties do that. Right. And that, yeah, that's a big one. Uh, let's talk about Agenda 2020, because, as you know, I said in the introduction, it, it, it sounds promising and it certainly got some people here excited that if the IOC's really changed its ways, that it's not about, you know, the $40 billion uh, Sochi Olympics or what it ended up being when it was astronomical, uh, that they want to do things differently. How serious are they? Yeah, so, you know, they're really worried because all these cities have been dropping out. And I'm in Boston, and Boston uh, dropped out somewhat dramatically in 2015, along with other cities like Hamburg, Germany, Rome, Italy, Budapest, Hungary, have all said, you know what, they just have other things to focus on. They don't want to spend the money on the games. So the IOC has created these these reforms that they call Agenda 2020. The problem is that when you dig into them, you actually realize that very few of these reform items actually have to do with host cities. So they have 40 items, only seven of those items deal with host cities, and some of them are really not significant cost savings. I'll give you just one example of that. One of the reform items is that instead of delivering the, a, a physical version of the bid by FedEx or by UPS, you can now email a PDF of your bid to the IOC. So that might save, what, you know, maybe a, a $1,000 yeah. on shipping costs, $500 on shipping costs for a game that will cost, you know, 5 or 7 or $10 billion. Um, so it's hardly a significant savings, yet the IOC is sort of going around promising that it's going to reduce costs. Um, when you actually dig in, you see that, they really have not put their money where their mouth is. They're still asking for the taxpayer guarantee. And the, and the financial contribution that the IOC makes is really very small relative to the overall cost of putting on an Olympics. Right. And then, yeah, that was one of the points that uh, politicians in Stockholm emphasized was that there's just, you know, it's all really vague right now that maybe later this year we'll get some more details on what some of this might entail. But uh, that they just couldn't go forward because they didn't know what what the IOC was going to deliver on or what kind of a contribution there was going to be. So that, that seems like a big red flag, I think, for any city considering a bid. I think, it sh- I think it should be, and I think that the secrecy around these bids is something that should be very troubling to Calgary taxpayers. I know the Exploration Committee is saying that it's going to do its best to share information, but they're going to get a lot of pressure from the IOC and the Canadian Olympic Committee not to share all the details. And what they're going to say when they do that is they're going to say, well, we can't release that information for competitive reasons because if we want the bid to be competitive, we have to keep some of that information secret. And I think Calgary residents and voters and taxpayers should absolutely reject that language. What you should be saying is, look, if this bid is good for us, we want to know all of the details from the IOC and all of the details from the bidders here in Calgary. And anything less is unacceptable. That's what that's the way democracy should work, and that's the way that people that care about how their tax dollars are spent should think about these questions. And anything, again, anything less should be unacceptable, and, and there's really no excuse for sort of keeping those those results and those details private. Right. Because, I mean, it would, yeah, it would be nice, I suppose, if we as a city could say to the IOC, here's how we envision the Olympics being carried out, and here's our ideas for using facilities and, and where we're going to save money. But cities don't get to dictate that to the IOC. It's the other way around, isn't it? 
Yeah, so the way to think about this process is it's like an auction process where the IOC is up front with the gavel at the podium and they're trying to get the price as high as possible. So they want as many cities as they can get into the room so that they can bid up that price. They want that sort of auction frenzy. You know, the one time in history where they didn't have that auction environment was in 1984 for the Los Angeles games where there were only two bidders, Los Angeles and Tehran, Iran. And Tehran had to drop out because of the Iranian revolution. And so they were left with one bidder in the room. And you know, when you show up at an auction and you're the only bidder, you get a really good good deal. So LA was able to reject the taxpayer guarantee. Other cities have not been able to do that. And it's been a point of tension. Um, But I think Calgary, look, I mean, Calgary is a city that has an economy that's been going up and down with oil prices. I know that there's people that are eager for economic opportunities, but you have to ask, what's in the best interest long-term for Calgary? Is it focusing on a three-week event or is it thinking about the long-term infrastructure, the long-term investment in human capital, like education and healthcare, that Calgarians need to be competitive in an international economy? Well, uh, I guess Calgary is going to be in a position. We're going to have to make a final decision soon. Um, I, I don't suspect that by July we'll have necessarily any more in the way of specifics from the IOC. So it leaves us in, in a bit of a bind here, doesn't it? Yeah, I think you're going to have to, you know, deal with a lot of doubt. And again, I think Calgary taxpayers and residents should be very suspicious of that. The the question is, if this bid is so good for us, how come we can't see and read all the details? And that's exactly what voters and residents in Boston asked. They asked that very question. And what happened is that as more and, the, more, and more details came out, people decided they liked this bid less and less. It was a very educational process and a, and a real conversation about the pros and cons of the bid. And Rob, I think your listeners are lucky to have you focus in on this issue and you haven't come down on one side or the other you're just asking really good questions i think you and others in the media need to continue to do that to make sure that the right information is out there and that calgarians can make a real choice rather than getting wrapped up in the emotion of hey we're going to host the olympics again and isn't that going to be great all right now in a reaction here last week when we heard about stockholm was that well okay you know i mean stockholm's going to do what they're going to do we, we can't let one to city decide our priorities for us, which is fair enough. But when you look at the list, when you, as you say, it's, it's not just Stockholm, it's Boston, it's Rome, it's Hamburg, it's Munich, it's Oslo. It's, it's a lot of cities. I, I, you, just, you can't ignore that. If cities are walking away, city after city after city, uh, there, there's, there's a thread there. There's a common thread. There's a theme. There is, and, and really that thread is around exposing the IOC as, a, as an institution that doesn't offer very good deals. Um, sometimes it's about corruption. Uh, in, the, in the case of the U.S. games in Salt Lake, the organizers there were offering bribes and you know, literally bags of money um, to IOC uh, voters. And you know, I'm not accusing anyone in Calgary of doing that. I think uh, that process would be cleaner. But you're, you're dealing with some folks that, you know, to, to use, uh, a, you know, a word that I use here in the U.S. is very, you know, they're sketchy. They're, uh, they're, they're a little bit, um, unforthcoming on their information and they've got all sorts of ulterior motives. Sometimes that's self-enrichment. Sometimes that's just, hey, we want to, you know, put on the best games, uh, or put on the best television event or make sure we're staying in the best hotels. Um, but they clearly do not have the best interests of Calgary at heart. They're going to fly in for a couple weeks. They're going to insist that you give them a per diem. They're going to insist that highway lanes on your highways are shut down and only they can use those lanes. Um, they're going to make all sorts of demands like that. And you're going to be left with, you know, footing the bill for this three-week event, which is, which is a lot of fun and looks great on television, but doesn't really have that long-term lasting economic impact that I think Calgarians deserve. Well, and it's interesting time because I think the book is out this month, isn't it? You and Andrew Zimbalist. 
in fact, uh, it should be in bookstores now and on Amazon. So any of your your listeners can check it out. And it really what it does is it um, it tells the story of what happened in Boston and why Bostonians started out supporting the games, but as they learned more and more, decided that the bid was not in their best interests. And then it puts Boston in the context of all these other cities that are saying no. So again, you can kind of rattle off that list of world class cities where citizens have had a true pro and con decision and, pro- and true pro and con debate, and they've come down on the side of look, we've just got other priorities. We have more important things to spend our tax dollars on, more important things for our elected officials to be focused on. The Olympics just does not rise high enough on the list that we should be exerting all this energy and putting all these dollars into that three-week event. All right. Well, that book is called No Boston Olympics, How and Why Smart Cities Are Passing on the Torch. Chris Dempsey, thanks so much for joining us here. Really appreciate the insight. Thank you, Rob. Love to be on again in the future. All right. We'll talk again. Take care. Chris Dempsey, uh, former uh, co-founder, leader of the No Boston Olympics movement, was uh, previously uh, Assistant Secretary of Transportation in Massachusetts. And yeah, it became quite a huge issue in Boston. But Boston, Stockholm, Oslo, Munich, Hamburg, uh, Budapest now, I mean, it's, it's a growing list of cities who thought, yeah, this might be a good idea. And after taking a close look at it, realized that, no, you know what? It really isn't. In the meantime, 403-974-8255, talking about the idea of hosting the Olympics. The Calgary Bid Exploration Committee continues to do its work. It will make a final presentation in July. That will come with a recommendation. City Council will then have to decide whether to go along with that recommendation or they're free to decide the opposite if they so choose. Uh, Presumably, it's a decision that's going to be made shortly after this report is presented, probably before the fall election. I wonder if a city council comes back with a different composition after that election, whether maybe a different decision would be made at that time. But certainly, I, I think it is a big concern, as Stockholm learned uh, the, the specifics of this IOC Agenda 2020 are probably not expected until November at the earliest. So we're kind of diving headlong into this with a lot of assumptions about what this Agenda 2020 means. And so what are we really getting into? And don't Calgarians deserve to know what we're getting into before going down this path? All right, well, a lot of text coming in. This one says, uh, oh, great, the same guy Rob had on last time to give the same old perspective. Please get an alternative perspective, Rob. We get it. Rob doesn't want the Olympics or an arena or anything that might be exciting for Calgary. I'm just a big party pooper, apparently. How are we defining, by the way, what's exciting for Calgary? There are a lot of exciting cities that have never hosted the Olympics and have no interest in ever hosting the Olympics. Uh, an arena, well, I don't know. Is an arena exciting? We have an arena right now. Does that make us an exciting city? Or is it we're not an exciting city because it's not a new arena? You need a new arena to be an exciting city. I'm not opposed to a new arena. I think the people that are accusing me of that are people that feel as though the city should have just said yes. The very first thing that the, the Flames presented. Here's our idea for Calgary Next. Okay, let's do it. I think there were a lot of problems with the Calgary Next proposal. It would be silly to to ignore all of those in order to be an exciting city. No, I'm not against a new arena. A lot lot of problems with Calgary Next. And frankly, I think there's a lot of problems in dealing with the IOC. So that's my concern. If it were totally up to us and we got to do it exactly our way, it might be a different story, but that's not how it works. So what do you make of all of this? Let's go back to the phone and see if we've got uh, Steve, who's called in. Steve, good afternoon. Okay, here's the thing. The saddle don't cost, what, about $160 million. 
think Nakiska was about sixty million. I don't know what Pascapu, which became COP, cost. But you add everything up, and ABC Television paid three hundred seventy million dollars just for the rights to broadcast in America, and then all of Europe paid only sixty million dollars. Okay, so you take those two numbers up. Who got that money? See, the business model is all messed up. It's the IOC that gets that money. (laughs) That's the other thing. Now, let's say you and I want to go and enter a golf tournament this summer. We have to pay an entry fee. Okay, so America and uh, Brazil, they had about 500 athletes, and then some country like Belize had one athlete who was never going to medal. So then how many athletes you send, that should be part of the business model. And, of course, all the advertising and the ticket sales, uh, that's part of the revenue as well. So where does all that money go to? Uh, You know, it's almost like a secret society over there at the IOC. But the other problem with hosting the Olympics is when they say, you're going to have a boost in tourism. Well, I looked at what Calgary had and what Vancouver had, and Vancouver also had Expo, and tourism really has to do with how strong your dollar is at any given time. That also plays a big role in it. So as for building a new hockey rink, I mean, these hockey rinks are designed to last 70 to 100 years, just like the house you and I live in. If our house has only lasted 40 years, guess what? No bank would give you a loan for something like that. And in the next 10 years, Air Canada Centre in Toronto, by logic, in the next 10 years, they'll be demanding to build a new facility as well because it'll be approaching 40 years. Right. Just like the the Montreal Molson Centre, whatever it's called now. So you want to look at the, your legacy projects. Uh, didn't we not, we weren't even using the ski jump there for a while, weren't we? Wasn't that sort of shut down for a while? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... And then I brought up maybe Quebec should hold the games. Boy, I got a lot of grief from Jock over that because <laughs> you have all these facilities in Western Canada. You expect every um, qualified athlete from Eastern Canada, they have to relocate to Western Canada. But he said, well, they don't have the, the proper mountains and all that sort of stuff. Well, I didn't think Lake Placid did either, but uh, I would have to revisit that. But anyway, and this is the biggest problem hosting the games. Whenever you guys don't have, uh, like if it's a slow news day, we get three years of Olympic infighting. That just drove me crazy. And then when the Olympics finally opened up, they found a new story to complain about because there were big blocks of seats that weren't used at the Saddledome because uh, corporations owned those, and for some reason nobody bothered to show up. So the three years of infighting, Calgary's got to prepare for that. And then every time CSN would do a story, I just I just either uh, went to Full House or Elf that was playing at the time. I thought I'd rather watch Elf than the Olympic infighting for three years. Um, okay, Steve, appreciate the phone call. Uh, <laughs> it was talking about Elf, the Will Ferrell movie. That doesn't doesn't seem right. Uh, yeah, I, I remember coming here, uh, junior high student from Edmonton, came on a field trip to come check out the Calgary Olympics. It was yeah, it was exciting. Remember it well. Uh, and that's all well and good. But look, I mean, it's not 1988 anymore. <laughs> the Olympics are far, far bigger than they were back then. Like, if we want to make the argument that, you know, we became a hub for those winter sports, and we've got these facilities here, and they're aging, then let's not fall back on, on the idea of an Olympics, like it's somehow free money, which it's not. 
let's make the case then for fixing up this this stuff if if we think it's a value. And you know, if we want to bring winter sports events here, we can go after the world championships and all these different sports, and we can have these athletes here. And you know, there there I think a lot smarter ways to go about this than getting in bed with the IOC. That to me is a big big concern. All right, well, let's play for you some of what Mayor Nenshi was saying today uh, about where things are at. I have to admit that I haven't read it yet because it was released to the public at the same time that it was released to council this morning, which was something that I was thought was very important. I will say that I've been aware of the work they're doing. I know it's been incredibly rigorous analysis. Uh, they've had some really big brains working on it. I'm pleased about that. And fundamentally, council this summer will have to answer some really basic questions. Is it worth it? Can Calgary do it? Is it the right time for Calgary? Do the numbers make sense? Do we have the right level of participation from the other orders of government? And unless the answer to all of those questions is yes, then we won't move forward. But I think that the work uh, has been very helpful regardless in helping us understand what our ability is to bid for big projects and what the state of our legacy athletic facilities is. They're benchmarking at millions. depends on how you define the word we uh, and also how you think about what the benefits are and that's really one of the things that the bidder exploration committee has been at tasked with doing is don't just look at the costs look at the revenues uh, look at what will come out of it uh, you know you've heard me say on other topics a lot public spending must come with public benefit and that's really uh, what the bid committee needs to refine now okay so there you go that from Nenshi today and he said he hadn't gone through the whole report uh, but his thoughts on what, what needs to be demonstrated before we get behind this. Now, look, I mean, you know, when it comes to building a new arena, I think Nenshi's been perceived to be a bit of a, a skeptic about the idea of a public contribution to a new arena. But I, I don't know, I get the sense that he's, I think, a little more enthusiastic about the idea of hosting the Olympics. I mean, he sounded a little bit more skeptical there than, than I've heard him before. Uh, but I get the impression that maybe he kind of sees that as one of those legacy things. That he was the guy who who got that done, who brought the Olympics back to Calgary. So I don't know. It, I get the sense that maybe he's finding reasons to to get behind it. But if it's if it's too big of a price tag, if it just looks like it's going to be too much, then I you know there just wouldn't be any political upside. I don't think to championing that. All right, let's go back to the phones. More time for your calls here. Let's see what John has to say. John, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Hey, I'm not just I'm not one of the big planners. They just fly the jets. But what I was going to say is, uh, and I'm sure people have thought this book before, why doesn't the world get around one city, maybe Athens, where it all started, and every four years have it in Athens? God knows the Greece, Greeks need the, the, uh, the input. And, and get around the city, which in fact could host the Winter Games and never have an issue like we had in Calgary, where you know we had a big Chinook come through. They had issues up in Mount Allen, Nakiska. So maybe yeah, right. I don't know Lilyham or something like that, but I understand why I understand why cities do it because they want the revenue and they want to promote their city for future tourism. But they can't be left with a uh, a white elephant, I guess. You know that's my that's my comments, Rob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point, John. Appreciate the phone call. Look, if there is revenue, you know, if you're going to spend a billion dollars and then you're going to end up with five billion in revenue, then sure, why? I mean, why wouldn't you? But is, is that the reality of it? 
And what's interesting is in 2013, there was a study released by the Canadian Olympic Committee on the Vancouver Olympics. So, I mean, you got to think the the Canadian Olympic Committee is going to want to put a good spin on things. Uh, And they did. They talked about the upside of uh, a lot of the infrastructure that got built in Vancouver and Whistler as a result of the Games. But again, governments can build infrastructure. There's nothing stopping them from doing that. But what's interesting is that the report even had to concede, though, that, for example, there was no significant boost in tourism, nor did the event appear to significantly change the international images of Vancouver or Whistler. Said compared with Edmonton and Toronto, Vancouver and Whistler had no significant increase in 2010 in tourism over 2009. Quote, this finding suggests that being an event region had little to no effect on the number of overnight tourists during the event year. The report goes on to say the games did not appear to have influenced the attractiveness of the host cities with respect to either consumer price index or the value of the real estate market with no unusual change in either. They talked about the Sea to Sky Highway upgrade, construction of the Canada Line, and some of these other projects. But again, I mean, you know, the finances were so murky that even the B.C. Auditor General couldn't drill down to what the actual costs were. Estimated to be somewhere in the neighborhood of seven to nine billion dollars, but it's hard to know for sure. So how much transparency, how much clarity is there going to be? If we're going to go down this path, are we going to know all of this? We certainly should, whether you're for or against all of this, we're going to do it. You know, we need as much transparency as possible. Doesn't that seem reasonable? Anyway, 403-974-8255. We'll come back more time for your calls and your texts right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.